0: And welcome to this week's Dairy Dialogue podcast, and it's number 42, which if you've read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or seen it, you'll know 42 is the answer to the meaning of life. I'm not sure you'll find the meaning of life from this week's podcast, but hopefully you'll find something of interest from today's guests. I'm Jim Cornell, editor of Dairy Reporter, and here in Bonnie Scotland, it's been warm. It even hit 30 or 86 Fahrenheit yesterday. And when you consider most people here think 16 or 60 is a heat wave, then you can tell what 30 does to people. It's not the only place where it's been hot. Much of Europe's been under the sun, and I saw that they were having to spray television cables with water at the Tour de France, and some trains stopped working as well. No such issues with technology here for now, although my computer did crash immediately before the most recent interview that you will hear today. It's definitely been a very busy news week here at Dairy Reporter. You can check out all the latest stories on the website, dairyreporter.com, which have included Danone's first-half results, Swiss company EMI taking over Italian dessert company Pasticceria Quadrifoglio, and in the uk muller has completed its 50 million pound telford expansion also Petcore europe has launched the pet Poly... also petcor europe has launched the pet monomer recycling group the sm is looking for approval for a feed additive that could cut methane emissions by 30% in the us Organic Valley has introduced a new ultra-filtered milk. In India, Lotus Dairy is going to offer fortified milk in Rajasthan. And a summary of a US report that states people are now more flexitarian than ever. I'm glad that wasn't flexible because I'm definitely not as flexible as I used to be. And the latest brand finance food and drink 2019 report shows China's Yili is catching up on Nestle as the top global brand and there are lots of other stories on there as well. And so on to this week's show. We have four interviews or three depending on how you look at things. Our first interview is with Bob Savage, product application expert, cheese at DSM, talking about the company's new culture range for cheddar. Then it's to Kerry Group, actually two people from Kerry Group, Donald Cox, PhD, R&D Director for Wellmune, and John Riley, Vice President of Business Development, who we interviewed about new concepts for some of the Kerry portfolio at the VitaFoods event in Geneva. Then we have a pronunciation issue. In some places, it's pecan, others it's pecan, and in others it's pecan. Regardless, Jenny Bailey Business development manager at Pecan Deluxe Candy tells us about the company's new product, which is guaranteed to be popular because it involves unicorns, and how the company creates inclusions for ice cream, which seems appropriate given it's almost the end of ice cream month, who said this show is thrown together with no planning. And we also take our weekly look at the global dairy markets with Liam Fenton from INTL FC Stone. So, let's get the programme underway with DSM and cheese. Cheddar can be found pretty much everywhere around the world, and so DSM has introduced new cultures, Delvo cheese CH120 cultures, which are phage-robust cultures for young cheddar and barrel cheese. To tell us more about them is Bob Savage, product application expert, cheese, and we spoke to him in North Wales, and I first asked how long the cultures had been in development.
1: Um, I suppose really um, uh, just over two years would be uh, about the time, probably three years since first concept and idea and then um, the development work has been going on since then.
0: That must be quite challenging when it comes to the testing process because you have so many different conditions, different variables within different processors, temperature variations and so on.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that uh, I've found over the years is that there aren't two dairies making any cheese in the same way. There's always slight differences either in the equipment or the process or the end requirements of the customer. So every dairy is different. You know, even if you have a big company that's got several dairies, you can guarantee that each of those dairies, even if they're basically making the same product, they'll be using different parameters or equipment or something.
0: So how would you how do you address that then when, when there are so many slight differences in order to get the consistency from your cultures?
1: Um, well, I think the most important thing is to ensure that um, our cultures kind of fit the broad medium or the broad middle. And to be honest, as an application guy, we can adjust either the conditions in the dairy or adjusting the cultures themselves in terms of dosages, etc., to ensure that they fit. And I would say probably, or pretty well, 99.9% of the time, they will fit the customer. It's just a case of making sure, as I say, that in the first place, we uh, develop a product which kind of fits the middle ground, which is kind of 75 80% of the market, and then the rest we can adjust to fit.
0: And then I assume as well that when you sell A culture to a company you don't just say okay here you go you're on your own I'm sure that there's some kind of process by which you work with them in order to make sure that it's exactly what they need
1: yes that's right exactly so we would always spend quite a lot of time in preparing to ensure that the cultures fit exactly what's uh,
0: needed obviously this isn't your first culture within this particular range what else is there in that range yeah, well, we we have a range of
1: different products to fit the different types of cheddar out there on the market, not obviously only in the UK, but also globally. So we've got a lot of, obviously, a lot of cheddar made in the US and um, Australia and New Zealand and so on. It's about making, about having the right products for each of those markets. So in terms of direct to the VAT cultures, we have cultures which are designed for premium um, cheddars for, you know, high quality vintage cheddars, all with their own unique styles. And then on the young end of the market, where we see the market really developing and growing as the needs for more needs for things like the, the sort of the food ingredients for ready meals and for and that sort of thing, we have a need in that market too. And we already had a product in that market space, but this is basically a new Uh, development to fit the uh, market going forward as the demands increase.
0: And what's different or better about this that makes it more appropriate for young cheddar and barrel cheese? If
1: you think about the cheesemakers that are making this type of cheese, it really is at um, the cost end of the rather than the value end of the cheddar range so we're talking about as, as I've already said cheese that's used in the food processing for things like uh, processed cheese slices uh, and all those sort of things that would go onto burgers or a- ingredients and also often into pizza cheese where it can be blended with um, with mozzarella to just increase the flavor slightly and in that sector we're really talking about cost being very important that's cost in terms of obviously the cost in use of our product, but also in terms of the efficiency of the process. So it's about being fast so that you can reduce the process time and that allows you to increase the amount that you can make in one day. And that can have huge influence on the overall cost of production. So speed is very important and product consistency. So that's about ensuring that our customers, cheese all hits the requirements of the specification of of their customers. The most important thing about these CH120s is their consistency and their speed so that it reduces the cost in the dairy because they can increase their throughput and consistency between the rotations that we have means that they give a very high percentage of product which fits within the needs of their customer specification.
0: And you're launching these at the International Cheese Awards in Nantwich, is there any reason for launching them at that particular event?
1: Uh, well, the International Cheese Award at Nantwich is the biggest um, cheese event in Europe in terms of cheese competition. And there are people coming from all over the world, both to enter in terms of entries into the competition and also the judges that we have there to judge the, all the different classes. It's an ideal forum, really, for a kind of a launch of this type where the message will go out um, around the world, really.
0: Obviously, this is just hitting the market now, and, but you must have done tests with some and some commercial production. What's the reaction been like to it? It's been very good, actually. Uh,
1: we did our initial tests over in the US, as I already mentioned. The US is a big cheddar market, both for young uh, cheddar, but also for what we call barrel cheese, which is very large blocks of cheese. Uh, they're 320 kilogram blocks. That type of cheese we did our tests first it was all very positive the cheese quality is exactly what they're looking for and then since then we've been rolling out doing more commercial trials here in the UK again we've had very positive results back good speed neutral flavor consistency between rotations which is exactly what we were hoping we would deliver
0: and, and when you introduce a product like this, and obviously now it hits the market, are you done with it then, or do you continue to work on that over time? Well, that's a very good question, yeah. I mean, obviously, we
1: the initial work we do in the DARE is to ensure that it works properly. So we select out in, uh, a few customers in different parts of the world to prove them, to make sure that they are going to behave as we have shown in pilot scale. Once they have been launched then it really is um, a case of continuous maintenance and management. So we're constantly monitoring the bacteriophage levels out in the industry that are present against the individual strains in that complete range um, so that we can monitor to identify if there is any increases in bacteriophage levels generally in the world or regionally, so that we can take action to, for example, replace strains if they start to show weakness.
0: And, of course, you're also developing new products as well.
1: Well, exactly, yes. Yeah. So there's, there's, the, the market is always changing and developing. The needs of the market change in terms of new applications and new processes where, um, I mean, dairy equipment manufacturers are often looking to modify or change the, the way that they uh, produce a product. So we need to be able to have products that fit the equipment and the processes as well.
0: And And I guess in order to do a lot of that, you have to have... Your finger on the pulse as to what the trends are around the world you can't sort of respond to that if it takes two years to develop something you can't respond to that two years after the fact
1: no exactly so we're always looking at the market and looking how it's developing i mean uh, and, and often that development can be regional rather than global so i mean for example as you know the u.s market has already been very much into um should we say processed cheese world and into slicing and dicing and and all that sort of thing. But I would say in Europe we are a little bit we've been a little bit behind that. We've tended to focus more on what you might call natural cheese. Uh, but certainly convenience has moved things in that direction a lot more. So rather than just taste and texture of a table cheese you might say functionality becomes more important in terms of sliceability, shreddability uh, and so on and also cookability. So all those things need to be taken into consideration when we're developing our new products.
0: And now it's back in time to Geneva and Vita Foods. I interviewed two people from the Kerry Group about the products and new concepts they were showcasing at the event and had planned to use them as a video. However, with two people and lots of good information that seemed too good to cut out, the video ended up being a bit too long for our computer system at work, so I wouldn't be able to upload it. So the logical choice seemed to be to present it on the podcast, and so here it is. The first person we hear from is Donald Cox, PhD, R&D Director for Wellmune, and then it's John Riley, Vice President of Business Development.
2: Obviously the functional ingredients that Kerry is offering including the Wellmune and the Canadian BC-30, uh, and we're here with uh, both uh, products, have a number of new product concepts that we're working with uh, that are over here on the, on the booth display and uh, doing a presentation on the Canadian BC-30 that in, uh, highlights uh, some of the white space that's available in probiotics. And we use some of the science around BC-30, Canadian BC-30, to promote that.
0: And that, that's an established product, is, is it?
2: Yes, yeah. yeah the Ganaden BC-30 has been on the market for a good, uh, what, uh, close to 15, 15 to 20 years now. And so obviously, a
0: lot of track record in that time.
2: Yes, yeah. We have, I think, around 1,100 different SKUs of food and beverage products on the market now with the Canadian BC-30. So it's been a very successful product, That's largely because of its stability. It's a very stable product, very hearty in terms of its ability to survive your typical food and beverage manufacturing processes. So we've had a lot of success over the last few years, a lot of, uh, uh, lot of products with dairy proteins, a lot of nutritional beverages. Uh, trying to We're doing some formulation work to get it into, into regular milk, and we'll see how that, uh, that finalizes but um, it's been a very successful ingredient. And as as I said, it's it's stable to HTSD processing, HPP processing. So uh, it's an ingredient that can be used in those types of manufacturing methods, production methods, and um, it's uh, it's able to withstand uh, the conditions that would kill a lot of your probiotics. So you still have the viable count of the Canadian BC-30 after uh, it's been on the shelf for, let's say, 12 to 18 months. That would uh, destroy a, a, a normal probiotic. And
0: are there, are there other products that you're promoting here as
2: well? Uh, the the Wellmune. So the Wellmune ingredient is a baker's yeast beta-glucan. Uh, a lot of research on that, a lot of um, research on the clinical benefits, uh, a lot of, about 15 published clinical studies now on the ingredient, demonstrating that it helps to support immune health that's been a very successful product as well for us
0: Sure. And these are these are the new, the yeah, new these concepts so oh here
2: these are the uh, the cheese puffs that contain the Canadian BC 30 uh, and those would be able to be uh, processed right into the cheese puff as it's being prepared and uh, it would, it would uh, be stable for that this is a, a typical bar formulation and the Gnaden BC-30 would probably be in, the, is it in this, looks like a, an oatmeal coating. And we also have a uh, effervescent. So this is a typical effervescent uh, that we would use for this product. And um, add one tablet to let's say 100 milliliters of water and then let it form and, and drink. And it's uh, something that's very, very handy uh, delivery format. That's actually a very good product uh, for demonstration purposes because when you make ice cream, among other things, you can form ice crystals. Ice crystals will kill a typical vegetative cell, so your typical probiotic, but the Canadian BC-30 being a spore-forming probiotic withstands freezing and uh, is able to be used in in frozen products such as the ice cream that we're uh, uh, highlighting here at the show. So this is uh, for the Wellmune concepts. Uh, What we're doing here for our customers is highlighting not only the the benefit, which is immune health being top of mind for consumers, but also highlighting some of the quality of the research, some of the benefits of the Wellmune ingredient, uh, looking at uh, some of the products where it can be used. Here's a soft chew that one of our customers is is preparing uh, and showing its highlight the ingredient, the formulation attributes for it, as well as the ingredients, how it would be labeled, including vitamin D3, the baker's yeast beta-glucan, and some of the benefits that you'll receive when, when dealing with that. So this one, for example, is uh, highlighting for active uh, individuals, uh, young adults, that would be very active and would look for immune support. Here you go the Immune uh, Ready Set ImmunoGo uh, product. It's an effervescent tablet containing the well And again, training support, since we know that uh, people that are uh, very active, athletically active, typically have a higher incidence of cold uh, simply because of their, their lifestyle choices around other sick people or other people a lot when they're training and traveling. Uh, and a product like the Well-Mean Ingredient provides a lot of health benefits uh, for those uh, subjects. Shot product, getting all the way up to um, healthy aging. So here you have the Well-Mean Ingredient in and in a product intended for those who are interested in. In benefits, health benefits as they age.
3: Okay, well, we're at, at Vital this year presenting a range of our, our protein products, concentrating mainly on our dairy and vegetable protein products. So today we are showing um, uh, Ultranor MPI milk proteins in an application, an ice cream application, along with our probiotic uh, Ganedin. Um, we're also showing a vegetable protein range in bars uh, under our Podium brand. Podium basically are vegetable proteins using a combination of uh, pea and rice protein with a PB Casa 1 and also with a unique taste profile from our uh, Taste Sense technology. So Carrier combined our knowledge in proteins and our knowledge in taste to generate a range of uh, vegetable protein products that meet the nutritional profiles of our customers also meets the taste profile of the consumer and it's a very pleasant tasting product. And um, not only that but in our beverage range, we've also developed a very specialised uh, vegetable protein product based on pea, which can be used in low pH, uh, acid stable beverages, even it's clear soluble, so it can be used in water and uh, you can achieve at least 2% protein, so only 500ml bottle of water, that will deliver at least. 10 grams of protein. People can go higher, but we find the feedback from our consumers are that 10 grams of protein is a sufficient dose a 500ml of, of water. The beauty of this product of course is that it's UHT stable, it's pH stable, so it can be used in like fruit juices, it can be used in low just to give you a refreshing feeling if you're in the gym or you're working out. So it's, it's a very new product to carry and looks to be a product that will be very significant for us
0: in the marketplace. And what's the reaction been like to it so far? Is it so new that there hasn't been any?
3: Well, the, uh, the show has just started in the last few hours and we've had a few people taste the product. And the, first of all, they don't believe that it's got 2% protein in there because it's tasteless. Uh, it has no off flavor, no off taste. The mouthfeel is the typical juice. Um, there's no viscosity involved. So I, I think the feedback today has been very, very good. But we've had this in the marketplace for a few months now, and we've been presenting it to our customers, both in the US and here in Europe. And the feedback has been very positive. Uh, I think so it's going to take a bit of time for it to, to reach the marketplace. But a lot of the major beverage manufacturers are very interested in this product.
0: And, and as you said, these days, everybody has to have that um, the, the protein, the plant protein options to go with the other options. Yes,
3: because don't? vegetarians need beverages as well as uh, people who, who drink uh, dairy proteins. And I mean, obviously dairy protein has been the most popular for muscle building, for health and wellness, but people want alternatives. Not everybody wants to build muscle all the time. I mean, there's a a good market out there for vegetarian options. Kerry also has a range of milk protein isolates and milk protein concentrates, which are very high in micellar casein, and more slowly digested milk protein. And if you're not a gym person, or you're not a high-performance athlete, you just want to build uh, some body mass, some muscle. You want to retain that over time. And you want to be able to consume this product and have a slow release of amino acids into the blood. And the micellar casein present in our milk protein isolates and milk protein concentrates are ideal for that. You get digestibility over maybe six hours as opposed to uh, one hour of whey protein. So it's ideal for people going to bed at night to consume a beverage with our milk protein isolates. And over the night time, while they're sleeping, you have uh, an anabolic state maintained in the body. You release amino acids into the bloodstream at a slow rate so you keep the body uh, in an anabolic state you keep amino acids in the blood and that's a positive thing for the for people who just don't want to have pure muscle building.
0: Mm-hmm. So is it a whole range of applications for the products?
3: I, I, I think so I think the more and more people are not talking now just about whey proteins but about the whole range of dairy and non-dairy proteins that have their own niche in the beverage market. So I mean it's important that you cover all bases for, for all markets and for all consumer
0: needs. Uh, yeah, because there's, the, there's the recovery market, there's hospitals, there's aging, there's a whole...
3: Absolutely, I mean Kerry would have a lot of uh, knowledge in the use of our dairy and our dairy protein hydrolysates and vegetable protein hydrolysates in the whole area of clinical nutrition. That would have been a key uh, market for our proteins uh, going into very specialist nutrition for the elderly, going into the uh, people in convalescent homes, people in hospitals, uh, tube feeding, uh, nasal feeding. These are all products that need protein but need very specialist proteins that can remain stable during the manufacturing of the product by our customers and also by the application in the hospitals. Make sure that tubes don't get blocked, uh, make sure the product can taste okay, that the whole compliance area is critical in this area and having products that taste good and that consumer or the patient can consume their, their their requirement over a daily period is important. And dairy protein and good tasting dairy protein plays a role in that. Mm. I mean, it's not just all about clinical nutrition or infant nutrition. Kerry also supplies products for fun fun applications. So uh, we replace egg white uh, in things like marshmallow and nougat and chocolate confectionery. So, There's a positive approach there in terms of being able to supply products that are uh, vegetarian, that are allergen free for uh, marshmallow and nougat and for foaming beverages. We also supply very specialist fractionated casing for the infant formula industry, so there's a big drive obviously to try and make infant formula as nutritious as possible in terms of matching mother's breast milk, and mother's breast milk is always going to be the the gold standard for for all infant formula. But if you look at mother's breast milk, it contains only beta and kappa casein. House milk contains alpha casein predominantly. So Kerry, to our knowledge, is the only manufacturer in the world today that fractionates casein protein and produces a beta and kappa casein in rich fractions, which is used by the form industry uh, to make the product come closer from a protein perspective to what's found the mother's breast milk. So these are all the areas that Kerry are continuously focusing on to try and develop products that meet the market need and make the products that we are supplying our customers with more nutritious and more applicable to their
0: their market need. Next, we enter the world of candy inclusions, which are perfect for ice cream and also for Instagram photographs, given that it's ice cream month. Pecan Deluxe has just launched shiny colored sprinkles it says are ideal for unicorn and galaxy themes see not only ice cream month but hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy as well a new range of pastel colored shimmer balls the company created is already in demand from ice cream manufacturers and bakery retailers looking for innovation to develop all kinds of multi-colored themed products to tell us more about unicorns and rainbows and how they work for the dairy products is jenny bailey Business Development Manager at Pecan Deluxe. So let's get the most important question out of the way first. How do you say Pecan?
4: Good question, (laughs) because it is an American-owned company, so our parent company is in Texas, so Deep South, and there we kind of get Pecan. Yeah. But over here we kind of say Pecan.
0: Did the company start a subsidiary in, in the UK? How did that work?
4: So, um, Pecan Deluxe is a company that's been going since 1950, and originally started off in in the ice cream business. It's a family-owned company, and it goes back about three generations. So, our founder started the company up in 1950, and basically was selling ice cream, but was also selling things like praline pecans, or pecans, for the ice cream. And then the competitors started to cotton on to this and worked out that there were some very nice inclusions going into the ice cream that our company was offering and basically asked if he could make them especially for them. So that's how the business started off. So it continued that way, just basically working in America until 2000 when they decided that actually there was quite a lucrative market within Europe and started looking around for places to up, start a, a business up within Europe. And, and that's how Peak and Deluxe Europe came about in the year 2000. And originally we were a fudge factory called Harriet Webster's based in Sherbourne and Elmet, But everything's expanded since then. And lots of equipment and investment has been put in so that we can basically reproduce the entire product range that was offered in America. And then subsequent to that, a new uh, facility was opened up within Thailand, and that was opened in 2014, so that now we can also service the APAC market as well. So we're now truly international.
0: You do the same things only in different locations, or are there differences between them?
4: There are some differences between. We're the only site that can offer fudge, which is a proper boiled fudge. We like to call it Yorkshire fudge. But, yeah, we're the only facility that can offer that. And also there are chocolate moulding facilities as well. We have some one-shot machines. So we can produce shaped and moulded and filled chocolates. So that's unique to our site as well. But the other capabilities consisting of bakery products, pans products, which are basically fat or chocolate-coated inclusions or decorations, and also cookie dough, they're common throughout all three facilities.
0: Oh, okay. So what range of products would you have that would be applicable for dairy?
4: It's almost a case of what well, wouldn't work really. It's kind of you're only limited by your imagination. We do lots of um, baked items, for instance brownie pieces, chocolate chip cookie pieces, short bread pieces and we, um, as opposed to a, a normal baker, our unique thing is that we can make them small. So we'll be offering pieces that are 6 millimetre, 8 millimetre, 9 millimetre, that kind of size, and little cubes or chunks. So they're absolutely ideal for putting into dairy products, whether it be a yogurt where it might go on the side of a, a, what the Americans call a sidecar, or we tend to call split pots, also top hats, that kind of thing. Mm. And they can be popped into a yogurt, they work in ice cream, and we can fat coat them as well, so if that product needs a a moisture barrier, because the customer wants it to stay crisper, retain some of its original texture, we can also fat coat in our panning facility, so putting that moisture barrier in place. So there's lots of different bakery type things. Cookie dough, we supply it as frozen chunks, and it's designed to be eaten raw, so it's absolutely perfect for ice cream, and that's how it was originally designed. But it also has applications within things like cheesecake, for example. So you can put in frozen chunks of a cookie dough into a cheesecake, which can then be baked or or not be baked as sort of desired. Chocolate shapes obviously can go pretty much into anything and lots of different dairy applications. And then our panned products, which is where a lot of the unicorn development and all the, the shiny stuff that we're doing, that's where that that's the facility that's coming from. There's lots of opportunity for that within things like ice cream and yogurts and, and other mousses and desserts.
0: So things like ice cream cakes and...
4: Yes, and when we talk about ice cream, we we kind of commonly think of sort of family packs and sort of pint pots of ice cream. But it also extends to handheld or stick ice creams and cornetto-type ice creams as well. So they're absolutely ideal for putting into and onto that kind of product as well.
0: And what about the uh, the sort of the ice cream shops that sell scoopable ice cream? Is it applicable to them as well?
4: Yes, definitely. Um, we found quite a lot of our product goes actually um, finds its way into. We don't sell direct. we're, we're typically sell via distributors for those markets. But a lot of our products end up in um, high street gelato parlours and dessert parlours, decorating gelatos and option of customers put, putting them onto sort of ice cream cones and things like that. Yeah, a lot of our business is still ice cream, but we also deal a lot with um, quick service restaurants as well. So places like Dairy Queen, KFC and McDonald's. We supply a lot of items that go into soft serve ice cream.
0: I would imagine that the new ones that you just have are doing quite well in terms of the the visibility and what people think of them.
4: It's quite a good point actually, because a lot of stuff tends to be beige. If you think a lot of baked items, praline nuts, chocolate, there's a lot of brown, boring beige stuff, and colour is is something that's really. Attracting attention, the rise of Instagram um, and social media, people sharing photos of all their foods. There's a huge market, um, especially with in millennials and and younger generations, just taking photos of items to share with all their friends and colleagues, etc. So they're really looking for something that's attention-grabbing. So there's definitely a market and lots of interest for people looking for shiny and coloured decorations in particular um, and yeah, so the new um, the unicorn sprinkles which we've um, started producing they're in lots of lovely pastel colors and they've got a sort of metallic sheen to them and we've actually got customers um, making ice cream in Scandinavia putting them in onto the top of a unicorn ice cream and um, also a gold popping candy as well which is going into a black vanilla ice cream so there's a real contrast there, and it's all highly visual. So yes, it tastes nice, but it looks amazing.
0: The, the only problem with that, I suppose, is that the ice cream seller gets all the credit, and you're the people that make it.
4: Yeah, but that's we're business to business, so yeah, it kind of goes with the territory, I guess. Yeah, we're a, a hidden hero.
0: <laughs> but But at least you know when you see all these things on Instagram, that's ours.
4: Yes. Very much. And we um, we obviously talk with our customers, so we we like to know, get samples if possible, but definitely photos of products where our ingredients are ending up. And then we love to share them with colleagues, particularly the guys that are are working, making everything in the factory so that they can actually get to see where where the stuff they're making is ending up. And if they have the opportunity to go out and buy that themselves, then they can do. And then there's kind of a sense of ownership as well. So, So we definitely like to do that.
0: And I suppose the companies can also tell you what they'd like to see in their products and what's trending and what their customers are asking for?
4: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're we're always open to feedback. And every time we do new developments, obviously we'll start off in our development kitchen. But when it progresses to factory trials, we'll ensure that everybody has the opportunity to come and taste products and share their opinions, good and bad. (laughs) <laughs> we take yeah. those all on board and, and feed that into the next tranche of product development.
0: And have these products been launched in your other markets as well?
4: I think with the unicorn um, and the everything with a shiny tinge to it, that's fairly unique actually to Europe currently. Though we are starting to see a lot of interest coming from the Middle East, particularly from gold foods that we attended recently and we're seeing a lot of stuff and we're getting inquiries now for shiny and brightly colored inclusions. One of the issues that happens with the shiny stuff, a lot of demand has actually been generated by retailers like Marks & Spencer. So it's kind of a UK-centered thing, and it's not so popular in Europe and not really popular in America. They're not really doing any, any development without that, with those kind of products out there because there's no demand. That's not to say that they won't, maybe a different story in the Middle East because they are very into their colours and visual appeal and for example probably the first example of um, unicorn in the ice cream market was actually Unicornetto which originated last year in fact it was about this time last year August last year and that was launched in Asia so there's definitely potential for this kind of product within Asia, we just haven't totally tapped into that yet
0: and, and as you mentioned earlier, the the photography side of things with Instagram and that that doesn't really have any geographical barriers. So I'm sure that when people in the US see some of the pictures of the products, they may want them as well.
4: Absolutely, yeah, definitely. It's really breaking down geographical barriers.
0: The composition of these things are they in terms of sustainability and environmental friendliness which seems to be very important these days how, how does that factor into the products
4: well we do work with palm oils so we use RSPO, so the round table palm oil so it is so it is sustainable and we actually only work with segregated as opposed to mass balanced palm oil so that's very important to us that's critical and we've, we've only been working with that product for for years now. We also work with cocoa butter as an alternative to the palm oil. And cocoa butter is a good alternative, particularly in, in Europe, where there is um, there has been a, a bit of a reticence to taking palm oil products. So we do offer that as an alternative. But as I say, the sustainability is very critical. The colouring agents that we've moved over to are now solely based on fruit and vegetables so we've always been very much about using natural colors and flavors etc in the last few months we've actually moved over to using vegeta- fruit and vegetable concentrates so they're not synthetic at all so that's quite key for us
0: and what what other products are you working on obviously this is a really big one for now are you putting a big push on this
4: yes we've sent out a press release we've got various magazines and journals in- interested in this and we're showing it to customers. We've got interest from bakery customers. We've got things like donuts, brownie slices, and things like that. So lots of bakeries are looking at that. Also confectionery, things like toffee apples and Easter eggs. So we're kind of scratching the the surface at the moment. Um, what, What we're hoping is that people become more aware from obviously, the, the media coverage that we're getting and hopefully listening to the podcast and, and will come and contact us. And what we can also do is make bespoke products as well so that if we have a customer approach us, so we've, we've seen something, perhaps the unicorn balls that we really like the look of, but actually we'd like to tweak the color or maybe have it with or without the shimmer, etc. cetera. They're all about making tailor-made and bespoke solutions as well so we can, we can make something unique for that customer. We do have other products as well in in development, and a big raft of work has just recently been completed on pralines. Whereas we started off with praline nuts, which is a deep, deep south tradition, and we sort of inherited from our U.S. head company, we've been working on some quite innovative ingredients, which we think will be of a lot of interest to people that are wanting to have a bit of protein for fortification or a bit of a healthy aspect to their product offering. So we've been working things like chickpeas, and banana chips and pumpkin seeds and pralining those so they've got quite a high protein content and it's normally something you might snack on and it would be a bit boring to eat but once you've put a praline coating on and a lovely caramelised sugar toffee kind of flavour then it's very good to eat so we've just been doing a whole lot of work on that and we we think actually that will have some applications in the dairy industry as well.
0: And now it's time for a weekly look at the global dairy markets with Liam Fenton
5: from INTL FC Stone. The support we thought uh, butter had found last week seems to have been short-lived. Uh, Prices moving lower again this week. Uh, quarter three butter was down around 150 euros uh, from 3700 uh, to the 3550 uh, euros a ton level. Uh, quarter four also took a hit of about about 125 euros to 3650. From thirty-seven seventy-five, quarter one in twenty twenty, also uh, received the same sort of pressure. Came down from around thirty-nine hundred to thirty-eight hundred level. Um, this is despite hot weather conditions on the continent, you know, which would have concerns for milk supply, and despite rumours export demand from Middle East and and Turkey. Uh, Skim milk powder, however, is doing its best to keep overall milk prices supported for farmers. Uh, quarter four up a good 40 euros really from 21.80 to the 22.20 level um, while quarter 3 was positive by about 15 euros to 21.65 and, and quarter 1 in the same vein up, up to uh, 22.70 level. This has been in line with physical export markets trading around the 2180 2200 level as uh, traders seem to be keen to hold, uh, hold their stocks. Um, and, and, and keep pressure on prices. Um, we continue to be under pressure trading around the 650 level.
0: Thanks, Liam. Catch up with you next week when no doubt it will be wet in both Ireland and Scotland. INTL FC Stone provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services, as well as OTC hedging tool and MA advisory services to the global dairy industry. And that's it for another week. Early next week I'll be at the Nantwich Show and International Cheese Awards, although there's been a lot of train disruption because of the heat, so who knows. I'm sure those who live in the US Southwest and other places where it's usually hotter than that are wondering why we're talking about these chilly temperatures. Anyway, hopefully I'll get there, and hopefully we'll have something on the event, but we shall see. Having not been there before, I'm not exactly sure what to expect. And on next week's show, as it will be August, we'll see what strange days there are to be celebrated during the month. But because the podcast next week comes out on August the 2nd, I'll tell you that August the 1st is Yorkshire Day for all of those of us from that fair county. And it's also Raspberry Cream Pie Day in the US, or Raspberry, depending again on your pronunciation. And it's also Mountain Climbing Day. Not sure if they celebrate that one too much in the Netherlands. So perhaps next week I'll be talking to you from the top of a mountain, waiting for Mountain Descending Day, while eating raspberry cream pies for energy purposes. Have a great week, and thanks for listening.